Hello, 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 and welcome to episode number 21 of Fast Casual, Landon's official podcast, brought to you today from a lot of different places, from Boca Raton, Louisiana, and from Ireland. My name is Alex Mann, and I'm your host again, and it's great to be back after a week's break. As I like to say, every restaurant has a story, and so without further delay, let's get the show on the road. I'm delighted to say I'll be chatting with Mark Simpson, the interim chief people officer at Red Robin. Say hi, Mark. Hi, Mark. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, Mark. So like, give us a bit of an introduction because, I mean, you're a well-seasoned operator um, having like spanned a range of different uh, companies yeah. hospi in hospitality over a number of years um, in various leadership positions. I'd love to like get a little um, spiel into your background there and get a bit of Sounds insight. Good. Glad to do it. Well, first of all, I'm actually in Baton, Baton Rouge, right? The oh, sorry. State, oh, Louisiana. So we're okay. But you know what? Right now, the probably, I'd prefer to be in Boca Raton, but that's for sure. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> that's there's good. always no something. I told you, there's always one thing, right? So, um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, uh, born born here in, uh, in South Louisiana, went to LSU. Um, and then when I uh, got out of school, um, I went into the restaurant business. And I started as a manager trainee, believe it or not, with Piccadilly Cafeterias, which is a cafeteria chain that was based here in the southeast and was growing pretty rapidly and bought a full service seafood restaurant uh was with them four or five years and and um they, they pulled me out of operations into recruiting so i cut yeah. my teeth in the human resource world and the recruiting world a long time ago back with when they had to mail resumes and then the faxes came out so when you go you go that far back uh as far back as i do uh you can remember a few of the the the, the olden the olden days the golden times so um, spent a um, uh, number of years with peasant restaurants. They went public uh, with Morton's, Morton's Restaurant Group yep. um, and were formerly Quantum's, Quantum Restaurant Group. Um, and uh, they put us up for sale and I moved on and spent a short period of time with uh, Ruby Tuesday uh, Incorporated had purchased a company called TS Tex-Mex. It was a Mexican chain out of Dallas and I was going to be their head of HR there, their director of HR. And um I was there for a short period of time and got a call to go come back home and work with a guy named Al Copeland, who uh, was the founder of Popeye's Fried Chicken and was going to grow a Cajun concept called Copeland's of New Orleans. And uh, when I went to work there in the mid 90s, um, I ended up working for a guy named G.J. Hart, um, who is uh, obviously the CEO of Red Robin uh, currently. And uh, yeah. I followed G.J. from uh, from Al Copeland Investments uh, to Texas Roadhouse in uh, 2000. Uh, I think GJ yep. went in April or May of 2000 and I ended up going in August of 2000. And uh, I had a 21 year stint there with Texas Roadhouse. Uh, we started uh, probably 70 or so restaurants, be a hundred million in revenues. And I think uh, at this point in time, they're gonna hit four and a half, 700, over, over 700, um, you know, restaurants, 49 states, and I don't know, but probably a dozen foreign countries. So uh, pretty much all in the human resources uh, world, the people world uh, at Texas Roadhouse, we call it the legendary people department and at Red Robin, uh, we're the people department as well. So yeah. uh, it's been a great ride, fantastic 35 year plus career, uh, not to uh, age myself there, but uh, yeah, it was a, it's, been, it's been a great ride. So uh, appreciate appreciate the, the warm welcome, Alex. No, I'm delighted to have you. And I mean, it's interesting because, you know, you've run the gamut of like the people in just the people aspect within hospitality. And, you know, it's interesting because you kind of got out of like, say, Texas Roadhouse, 
like our legendary people rather um just in my notes that's what that's called so i presume that's what it is uh, it, that is what it is and that was at the back end of covid and yeah, you know and i'm curious just like off the bat you know like what you saw before and after because obviously your before is your whole career and then you literally are kind of out the gate on the other side of COVID. So you had to navigate that experience as well. What was the sort of like, were there, what were the trials and tribulations like for you as you were coming to the end of your sort of career there? Yeah. Um, you know, I retired uh, September 1st, 2021 was my last day uh, at Texas yeah. right now. So I was blessed to have a 21 year career with them. And it was phenomenal every step of the way. Uh, obviously, you know, I think everyone's heard uh, all the stories about COVID and, and, and obviously one of our industries, our industry was one of the hardest hit industries yeah. that there was, uh, you know, having to flip, you know, at the time at Texas Roadhouse, you know, we were running about 6% into go sales. And then all of a sudden, all of our dining rooms were closed. So we yeah. went basically to, you know, 6% of our revenues, which, yeah. you know, we're not going to make it there. So, but fortunately we had a lot of cash. Uh, we were able to, you know, uh, leverage, um, you know, the banks and, and borrow some money as well. That way we were set. So we knew we were going to make it out of there. It was just a matter of how do we build sales? And, and it was truly um, amazing. And obviously our founder, our, former, our founder's uh, book, Kent Taylor's book, um, Made from Scratch, you know, he has a, an entire chapter or two dedicated to this. And, you know, it was amazing to watch the ownership mentality of the operators just start figuring out how to do things, right? You had people... Yeah actually put a drive drive up window they built a drive up window on a texas roadhouse they put yeah you know cabanas out front where people could come up and get there to go uh we took the interior waiting area and made that uh an entire to go area uh, yeah and really focused on making that um the, the the majority or the main part of the operation so really flipping it uh, on its head and obviously all the people issues we have with people yeah out sick and you know the covid pay and all the things that we had to figure out on the fly so um you know from that perspective it was um it was very challenging but very yeah. rewarding to make it through it um the executive team worked really well together uh, arm in arm hand in hand i think for the first six or seven weeks uh, we had four calls a day seven days a week uh, so yeah. it, it was non-stop for you know a couple months and then i think we got into a groove and we still had calls um, you know, almost every day, but, um, you know, we finally figured it out and, and, um, and weathered the storm. So, um, you know, like everyone else, we've came out on the other side and now we're trying to continue to get back to normal. Yeah. It was interesting, you know, uh, one of the people, like I said, I'd reference other people within this podcast now that I've done so yeah. many. And one of the guys I had on, he, uh, is Brian Nowicki. He was the director of operational excellence at Dave and Buster's. Yeah. And we were talking about like, what did what happened like COVID with him, you know, and with their business? Because again, you know, very similar. It's very like indoor experience, you know. There's this entertainment, for example, with food, and he used the phrase like a culture reset, you know, like whatever sort of like um, uh, bubbling sort of tensions within the culture or struggles with the culture of the organization, you know, that it enabled them to have like a reset and an unlock for like the post-COVID right. experience. That it's like sit down, okay, what are we doing right? What are we doing wrong? And how do we like go forward here with like very focusing, very much focusing on the employees and the staff that they have, that it's almost right. like a reset there. Do you like, uh, when you think about COVID, do you think about that in terms of your experience at the Texas Roadhouse, but also now in terms of like, you know, it, it almost like forced people to be way more employee focused again, like the shift a lot of the focus 
um, onto the employees. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was your first priority was, was yeah. you know, employees. And then, and then it was staffing after that. Um, you know, I think for us, it was, you know, at, at, at Roadhouse, we were very resistant to changing in the past, right? We just yeah. didn't change a lot of things. We didn't implement a lot of things. We didn't roll out a lot of things. We tested things to death. I mean, yep. to death to make sure whatever we put in, whatever we put in was going to work and wasn't going to slow down the machine that Texas yeah. Roadhouse had become. And I think what we picked up, what we learned at, at Roadhouse was that we could change and we could change yeah. quickly. And so I think from that perspective, for the company moving forward, right, I'd have to tee that up to, you know, Patrick Sterling there now in, in the people department and, and um, you know, Chris Colson, who's in, in the administrative and strategic role and legal yep. role, and Jerry Morgan, their CEO, I'd have to tee that up and, and Gina, Gina Tobin, the president, I'd have to tee that up to them to see yeah. how are they dealing with change. But I would imagine that they are, you know, um, okay with change now and, and yeah. can adapt and move a lot faster than we did before. Um, you know, I think at Red Robin, I think they were, you know, from what I can gather in my eight months there as the interim chief people officer, I guess. I'm actually not really the interim chief people officer anymore. I don't really know what I am because then we hired the new, we hired um, Megan Spuler who came in, who had been with uh, Bloomin' Brands and Outback for uh, close to half a dozen years in yeah. the past. Uh, she started uh, on December 11th. So she's the chief people officer now, and I'm not sure what I am. So uh, I'm just here to help and, and, and play. You're any the savant. <laughs> yeah. Any, any, any kind of role, any kind of role I can play, I guess. So yeah. um, I think Red Robin was was very used to change and they changed things very frequently and they did quarterly LTOs. They made a lot of changes all the time. So I think coming in here, it was one of the things that I've seen is that they they were very used to change. And now they're saying, okay, we've we've made a lot of changes and let 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 us get good at it now. Let us get good yeah. at what we're doing. So we can talk about that here in a second as we talk about totally things that are going on. But um, so I think, you know, that's the one thing COVID did is it got you really focused on your people and really focused on on adaptability to circumstances, which yeah. in our industry, we probably lagged every other industry. Which is interesting you say that because, you know, as my background obviously is more like in technology and like sort of quote unquote startups and fast pace and all the kind of yeah. buzzwords that go with it. Um, there was a great, one of the, probably the best boss I ever had. She, um, her name's Molly Graham. She was very early in Facebook and very early in a, a bunch of other startups and has done phenomenally well. And uh, she wrote a brilliant article I'll send to you and I'll put it in the, in the notes for this as well called Giving Away Your Legos and Other Disciplines. And she talks a lot about, you know, flexibility and adaptability in a fast-paced environment where change yeah. is just the operating order of the day. And so your job spec is your job spec, but how do you not be wedded to your job spec? That like, if you're required to do something over here, are you comfortable and adaptable enough to be able to do it and thus help make that change happen within the organization? And I think a lot about that when, like, to your point about hospitality, where, you know, there are so many organizations and it's like this sort of like thunderbolt meteorite, whatever sort of metaphor you want to use, or like macroeconomic impact that happened and forced people to like adapt or effectively die. Do you know what Absolutely. I mean? Like, the, yeah. and it's amazing to hear, you know, you speak so candidly about that and see success come out the other side and be able to like say like your roadhouse never really changed. It would test everything to the nth degree 
to make sure that it was appropriate for the organization yeah. to like do. But like that type of like, no, now you need to do curbside pickup. Now you need to do windows. Now you need to do all these things because your business will not survive otherwise. is yeah. kind of like amazing that it's kind of, and I hear this from so many leaders like yourself that like that switch happened because of COVID that now yeah. large hospitality organizations <laughs> now it's a fundamental part of like you know leadership within those orgs it's like the comfortability of flexibility and the comfortability no, no. of adaptability and change which quite clearly didn't exist really before is kind of amazing for me to hear you know exactly no doubt no doubt I agree um, but I, I guess on that running on the background running on that is like you know so you were like, oh, I'm just going to go into a comfortable retirement. Retirement, now, you know? yes. I'm going to like relax and play, play a bit more golf. I'm going to watch LSU try and play football. And exactly. We're trying. <laughs> we're like, trying hard. We're trying. We're trying so hard. You know, and, you know, probably being a sort of quasi consultant role for like friends and, you know, ex-colleagues. Like, but instead you were sprung out of action. Sprung into action, rather. You know, to come into Red Robin and like help turn around the people org within sort of the organization. And I'm curious, you know, like what it took for you to like be sprung out of action, like what kind of challenges you saw and like effectively the flip side of a challenge is an opportunity. So like what kind of opportunities did you see for yourself to like come in and turn around such a large organization? Yeah, you know, it's a great question. Um, you know, there's probably only a few, very few people that I would have come out of retirement for. Um, I was enjoying being back home in Baton Rouge and, and, you know, going to all my LSU sporting events and playing a little golf with friends and, and being around my family, my wife and yeah. my, and my family, we're, we're all basically all here. Um, so it was definitely um, an interesting time when I got the call from GJ, but um, you know, I wouldn't be where I am without him. And um, you know, he's a phenomenal leader and a phenomenal person and I owe a lot to him. And when he called yeah. and said, Hey, um, you know, we've, you know, I knew he had taken over as the CEO in September of 2022. And, you know, we texted and we stayed in touch yeah. and he picked up the phone. And he said, Hey, I need you. He goes, you know, we've, we've, we've making some changes on the leadership team and we really want to get this thing going in, in the right direction. We want to create a partnership program and really an ownership mentality. And he goes, I really, I really need you. And I said, well, let me, let me talk to my wife. And it was the summertime and, you know, it was probably the hottest summer on record in South Louisiana. <laughs> So um, it was actually a good timing to get to Denver, you know, and yes. fly back to Denver, which was a little bit cooler. Exactly. Uh, but it was, you know, everybody told me it didn't rain there, but uh, it rained a lot uh, when I first got there. <laughs> but um, yeah, so, you know, I think that's what brought me out. And literally, I just went in initially listen and learn and help. And, and, yeah. and I knew that I knew we were going to roll out a managing partner program. I knew there were a lot of new uh, executive team leaders and, um, you know, so it was it was fun to be uh, a part of that. Right. I've never been experienced, you know, this kind of situation where you come into a 50 year old company that has a very well established culture and try yeah. to figure out how to maneuver and move that um, into a in, into a different realm, so to speak. Right. Taken from a really top down management company to an yeah. operationally focused company where the operators can get to make the decisions. And so um, so that was that's been, uh, um, you know, challenging and, and a lot of fun. And, you know, we rolled out a, a market partner program uh, earlier this year. And that's the multi-unit managers. And yeah. so now they're all getting a piece of the profits. And you could see the change taking place and the questions get, getting asked from about the P&Ls and the accounting yeah. and things that weren't asked before. Right. Because now all of a sudden they're getting a piece of the pie. Yeah. 
we we're literally in the final stages of the communication of uh, rolling out a managing partner program to yep. general managers, individual unit general managers or single unit general managers. Uh, we want managing partners, uh, the market partners, again, obviously the regional partners, which are like the regional vice presidents yep. and then all the other managers, whether it be a kitchen manager, an assistant general manager, uh, service manager, um, you know, whatever it might be, they are all there all of their bonus plans are changing, right? They're all going to be yeah. based on some type of profit line um, in the organization. So uh, the, the total rewards team, the comp team has done a phenomenal job. And as of one, one will go live uh, with this, but I think, you know, building the partner program and the partnership yeah. mentality uh, is really, is really the key. And, and obviously that's going to take time here over the next year to two or three years. And I know Megan coming in with her experience from Blooming Brands is going to add a lot of value to that as well. You know, it's interesting. Um, and when you came into the organization, like, so like you kind of step in on day one, like, do you like, how do you survey like that landscape? Are you like, I know exactly what I need to change or like you knew like there were certain programs that you knew would like be your quick wins. Like, how did you come in and say, okay, the managing partner program, that sort of partner mentality, like were there sort of like keystone sort of ideologies that you had that you wanted to like implement, like, or did it take a while just to understand specifically what were the things and then go implement them? Yeah, I, I don't think, I mean, I didn't have any preconceived notions of, of, of what I wanted to do because obviously it's a different company than Texas Roadhouse is. And uh, obviously the sales volumes are different. The profit levels are different. So there's a lot of differences. So it, it, really, I just wanted to listen and, and learn, as, as I said, and, and just and help in any way I could. And obviously GJ, yeah. you know, uh, was was, you know, an integral part of, um, you know, I, I knew what direction he wanted to go and he really wanted to create a service culture uh, yep. within the organization and a service culture within the people department. So I think that was one of the first things that we really worked on is, you know, I, I can remember saying, you know, you know, I, I, I don't consider myself an HR guy or HR pro. I consider myself a restaurant person first, a business person second, and then an HR person after that. So I really look at it from a restaurant perspective, from a business perspective, and then the HR lens has to come in um, to make sure, you know, we're doing things the right way. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think that was my initial approach was, you know, really sit with the folks on the team, sit with the leaders in the company and just talk and listen to them and listen to the struggles, listen to the yeah. things that are working well, listen to the things that may not have been working well. And this just kind of attack those things one at a time and really yeah. you know, know that we're there to support the operators. You know, there were things in place um, regarding some disciplinary measures where, you know, yeah. the chief people officer had to be involved in every single one of them. And I'm, I'm like, well, that's impossible. We've got to yeah, yeah, yeah. So many locations, so many people. Yeah, you've got you've got great experience. You you're very good at what you do. You're you're a professional, and I trust you, and I trust you to do the right thing there. And then if yeah. you need me, if you need my you know um, my opinion on something, then obviously reach out, and I'll be glad to help you. So I think freeing people up a little bit and allowing them to trust their their instincts and trust their education and trust their knowledge and their experience. Um, and what they do, I mean, the, ten, the team is very tenured. You've got the field people, leaders, um, 
I don't know, 16 years or so. The, you know, we have a VP of, of L&D and HR who's been around 16 or 17 years. And we have yeah. another person in what I call people operations, who's really kind of the glue of the department who's been around in 14 years or so. Yeah. You've got a lot of people with a lot of Red Robin experience and I didn't want to come in and, you know, change their world. I just wanted to, you know, adapt it to making, making them, I, I really wanted to help them be more successful. What yeah. can I do to help them be more successful? And it, and, and it worked very well. It's interesting. I, I think about that a lot, just like even in my own sort of role, which is like, you know, how do you give a voice to everybody and then apply what you hear? That sort of like human centric sort of research, which is like, what are the themes? What are the patterns of things that people are saying to me? Because I can get the data and it'll tell me what, but when I sit down with people, they kind of tell me why. And it's interesting because like, you know, I guess the people that will be listening to this podcast or this episode or wherever they are in Ireland or in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, <laughs> I will not <laughs> live down, is like, you know, I guess like people who are trying to implement change in culture, you know, because it's just a hard thing to like make change because it's very much stems yeah. from the top. But like when you were hearing certain things, like, you know, like the sort of thematic things that you were hearing. So like I heard this from. 15 20 people so like there must be something here where there's sort of like outlying sort of like kind of cultural issues that you can speak to like as it if somebody was hearing this they're like oh we kind of have that thing too like i'd be curious if like there's a you know a trend or like across all sort of hospitality that you would kind of landed on that you wanted to fix versus like where there's specific sort of red robin issues yeah you know probably not i i think yeah. you know at red robin i think you know in the last five to ten years they've been through so many leadership changes that yeah. I think that they were um, they operated a little bit out, out of maybe fear um, of yeah. reduction in forces, layoffs, you know, things that we've never I never did in my past life at Roadhouse. Yeah. And I never I never had to consider. Um, so I think, you know, that was part of it. So I, I think really, you know, trying to create synergies within the, the department itself, the people department itself, whether it's the fuel people team, the people advisor team, kind of the employee relations team, whether it be total rewards, uh, whether it be the, 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 the restaurant support, you know, people team in conjunction with our, our HRIS functions and, you know, our, our, our workday teams, really try to create synergies to get everybody on the same page. And I think yeah. that's really what we worked at. And it's the same thing that GJ did coming in, right? He created the North Star, uh, you know, plan, which I think obviously has been out there that everybody can see and, you know, really wanted to transform the company into an operations com operations driven company and then elevate guest experience and a number yeah. of other things as well. And, you know, he, he went about it in a way where, you know, we, we he hosted town hall meetings and he would go yeah. out to... Um, I don't know, 15 or 15 or, or 16 or so cities. And then the managing partners would all come in and he would present the plan to them. And before yeah. he even started presenting the plan, he would lay out, um, he would ask questions and say, Hey, what are, what are your concerns? What are your fears? What are you worried about? And he would get all these questions from them. Yep. And he said, my goal is as we go through this presentation and that and Jesse Griffith, the head of operations, was part of it as well. As we go through this entire presentation, I want to make sure I answer all your questions. And yeah. at the end of it all, they went back and they made sure somebody wrote down the, 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 the questions. And they went back to make sure they answered every question. Yeah. 
So again, giving the operators the feeling that, hey, we were going to, we as an executive leadership team, GJ, obviously, and the executive yeah. leadership team, we're going to be there for them, not the other way around, right? They're not there for us. We're there for them. And so I think that yeah. started it. Uh, we created, um, we also rolled out, and these are things that we've done in our past life at Texas Roadhouse, yeah. and I think GJ had done at California Pizza Kitchen and Torgy's as well. But there were... Um, there's a, we call it leadership advisory panel. And we yeah. just had the first leadership advisory panel uh, last, um, just a few weeks ago. And we brought in about three managing partners from the five different regions. So about 15 managing partners, a couple of the multi-unit managers of the market partners, yeah. and a few of those and a couple partners as well. And really it was a and a, a Q&A session with them. Hey, what's working? Okay. Yeah. And okay, that's great. We're, we're we're glad to hear that. But what's not working? What 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 do we need to help you with? Right. So now we've got a list of items that we can take action on. We can yeah. follow back up with the operators so they know we're serious and we know we're going to help them. You know, create that great um, you know ability for them to really drive uh, their sales and revenues. They're they're going to be moving to a managing partner program where they're getting a percentage of the profits. And their oh, yeah. base salaries, their base salaries are dropping, right? So we're dropping their base salaries, but they're getting a percent of the profits. And there's 13 four-week periods in the fiscal year. So every other paycheck, so you get paid every two weeks, every other paycheck, they're going to get a bonus check, basically, which is really yeah. nice versus waiting a, waiting a quarter, right? Because right now they have yeah. to wait, wait a quarter. And if they don't hit one thing, they may not get their quarterly bonus. So now it's... Yeah. It's very easy. It's very simple. It's going to be based on that income of their restaurant. And, you know, so they'll be able to figure that out very easily. And if they want to make more money, they need to drive revenue. So the things that we're going to do is we're going to build the support, whether it be in the people department, whether it be in the learning development department, marketing, you know, really working with them to do local store marketing because really you know, from, from Red Robin's perspective, you know, the, the local restaurant marketing is going to be a big part of driving revenues. That was a huge part of what we did at Texas Roadhouse. You've never seen a national Texas Roadhouse ad ever, and they've continued to outperform the entire industry. And, yeah. and there's no national TV ad. So it's amazing. It's because they do everything. <laughs> I have lots of opinions on those. <laughs> yeah. Local, As somebody who buys them for a living, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, lo- lo- local, the local restaurant marketing is, is the key. And so really, yeah. really working with those folks and having them do fundraisers and having them be a part of their community, give back to their community, because giving's always been a big, a big, a big piece uh, of, of Red Robin's culture. And I think that's the other thing. I think it's not like we're having to recreate the wheel. I mean, we're going back to a scratch product, right? We're going back to a, 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 an awesome product and we want to have awesome American food and bottomless fun, right? That's, that's the mission. We want to be the best love restaurants and brand in the communities they serve. So that's the vision. So we're going back to the basics of what made Red Robin successful. Yeah. As a matter of fact, one of the initial things that GJ did was started earlier this year. He'd only been in place probably three or four months is we started taking out uh, the Nico ovens that they cooked all the burgers on. They ran them yep. through a char broiler, almost like Burger King, to be honest with you. Yeah. And we ripped them out of all over 500 restaurants and we put flat top grills in every restaurant yeah. and we improved the burger. I mean, about 80% of the menu has been touched. Yeah. You were saying 
So, and uh, obviously the burgers were the main focus initially. And now as we continue to move forward, right, we can tweak and add other things that will attract, you know, the families, right? If you bring in the kids and they always want a burger and not everybody wants a burger every single meal. So really yeah. building on building on that, uh, having a better, juicier burger. And, and what's really funny is when you think about putting a piece of new equipment in a restaurant that you cooked your main product on, you think about flipping your restaurant operations completely upside down. Yeah. And what we found was the, the speed, the ticket times, right. For those, for those items were actually faster and we were actually setting hourly sales records, believe it or not, right out of the gate. So I think that, you know, again, that, that goes back to their, their adaptability and ability to change. So I think a lot of these things have been really, you know, worked on and and GJ's vision with this North Star plan is to really create that partnership synergy between the restaurants and the restaurant support center to make sure that it's a win-win. Everything should be a win-win. They should win and we should win and we should all win together. You know, it's interesting because like the ownership mentality again is like something interesting to me because I see, I think a lot of sort of like the operators and the owners of the individual restaurants, whichever are very much like entrepreneurial in and of themselves. And so to be able to like run a, like a restaurant individually and like make it a success, it's almost like, you know, giving them extra juju to like really like improve the standard and the quality of the restaurant. And I think, you know, I hear you talk about like sort of local advertising in particular. And again, that like brings it home to the operator of that restaurant that it's like, the marketing is stemming from you and for you, you know, you see TV ads all the time or you're watching football for every single brand. And it's like, there's obviously a disconnect between local restaurant owner and TV national ad because it's like, that ad's Absolutely. Just and it's just like whatever versus like to your point, you know, it's putting far more onus on the individual operators to like make a success of theirs. And if they can make it a success, it also leads to like more just money in everybody's pocket there, which is like no sort of the name of the game here. And so I guess like you guys are, you're what, eight months uh, into your uh, interim position, which ended nine days ago. <laughs> so you formally, give, you formally given away your Legos, so to speak. Correct. And so I'm just I, like, because I, it's so fast changing now that like, this ownership mentality that you're kind of putting on, like, I mean, well, how many locations are there nationally? Over, over 500. Like yeah. over 500. 520-ish. Yeah. Yeah, 520. That's a lot of ownership mentality to spread across. And so, like, you, it sounds like you're deeming this a success already. Like, as it, I mean, like an early success, so to speak, that like there has been buy-in to this program. Were they like crying out for this kind of support? It's like, help us help you. Like, is that the kind of, is that where people have been feeling that you just needed yeah. leadership to like really guide them in a North Star and align all the incentives? Yeah. I mean, from what I can, from what I can gather in my, you know, my, my eight months there, they, they really were crying out for some vision and direction yeah. of, and, and, and really let's get back to what made Robin great. You know? yeah. and, and so I think that was definitely, I think a big part of, 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 of what, we felt, I think, you know, the, the managing partner program is not a success yet, but I think there's some excitement about it out there. You know, we basically said, Hey, look, nobody's going to lose any money in 2024. when we moved to this because that's not yeah. fair. And so we don't want that uh, to happen. 
And, you know, so we know there, there could be some questions and tweaks. And I think what we've done is we've really done a great job of communicating it through the operators, right? So we got the operator buy-in first, right? The operators, yeah. you know, the market partners, when they went to it in March of this year, um, you know, now they've been in almost a full year, there's buy-in already. They, they know yeah. this works, right? They know they can make more money, which is great, which is everybody wants to make more money. Yeah. Maybe people won't say that, but the real deal is people want to make more money. And so, yeah. you know, when you're, when you're just getting a salary and you got this funky bonus that you can't figure out how to hit on a quarterly basis, that makes it very difficult. And so I yeah. think, you know, giving them the opportunity to really, you know, drive their own income and, and, yeah. and really help themselves be successful and we can support them in any manner is, is really going to be the key. And the operators, you know, are, are I think, excited about it. Uh, but obviously, we're going to have to work through some things as we roll, the, roll it out, because obviously, it's, it's the biggest compensation change the company's ever made. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, like you're affecting an enormous like culture change here. I mean, a 50 plus year business across yes. 520 locations. You know, it's a thousands of people. It's thousands of it's just lots yeah. and lots and lots of personalities. So Correct. affect that change. How do you like simplify what that is? And then also changing the menu, 80% of the menu. So like Correct. it's it reminds me of uh I'm not sure you ever read the book Shock the Shock Doctrine by Naomi Klein, which no, is I know it, but they call it like economic shock therapy. You know, yeah. it's like boom, like making such like big change so quickly. And trying to like get it done as fast as possible. Yeah. Um, and obviously there's like, you know, not everyone's gonna be very, very happy. You know what I mean? Obviously, correct, correct. Change, change is not meant to be comfortable as well. And so, you know, when I think about 80% of the menu changing, which is like a humongous part of that entire business, you know, it's like people have come to expect something of Red Robin, and you've changed correct. 80% of it. So, like. I, I, I'm just curious personally now, like in terms of like that much change on the menu, which changes like people's perception of what Red Robin is, was also implementing a sort of formal ownership program, the managing partner program where people get a percent of the profit, yeah. but the menus change. I imagine for you in your position that you had to really allay those fears that the change is for the better. Absolutely. And, and, and I believe that, that the operators know that the change was necessary. And, and we didn't necessarily change 80% of the menu, but 80% of the menu has been touched, right? Or improved. Yeah, right, right. So right. better products, but still, it's still new, right? And it's still changed. So again, I think your point is, is dead on, right? Because change is difficult. And we did hear some of that <clears throat> at the leadership advisory panel. You know, they were like, okay, we've got a lot of change. We've got this managing partner program coming. Can we take it easy for a bit now and just get good at it? And I think that was if, if you know, and I, I don't know that I've even asked GJ this, but I would tell you that I would think that, you know, the goal was to make the changes as quickly as possible and then let everybody focus on getting really good at it because yeah. repetition, it's like the golf swing, right? I'm not a very good golfer because I don't play a lot, right? And there's not a lot of repetition <laughs> in my swing. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like anything practice makes perfect. And so I think at this point in time, it's we've got the North Star vision. We've got the new products. 
we've got, we, we know we're, we're ramping up, you know, hospitality. We want to have the unbridled hospitality and guest service. We've added, we've added managers, we've added bussers back because the past leadership had cut yeah. the bussers out. So we've added staff for them to be able to execute better in the restaurants. And we still have a ways to go there. Yeah. But I believe that everybody understands that now we're heading forward. Let's get good at what we're doing and let's grow revenues. Let's grow sales one by one restaurant at a time. And I think that's the goal. And, you know, you brought up something a second ago that made me think about the entrepreneurial spirit versus something that might have happened in the past. And one that was in was asking a question about some of the trainers in the restaurants and say, hey, we need to improve our training again. We got away from it after COVID and we made cuts and we're just bringing in people and we're not training them properly. What yep. can we do? And we've been working on that all year, by the way. And so he was like, I'd really like to be able to have a program where we could pay our lead trainers and our head learning coaches is what we call them and our yep. lead learning coaches, where we pay them an extra 50 cents or an extra dollar an hour or whatever it might be. And, you know, so everybody in the room was really intrigued by the question. And you could see them, they were almost sitting on pins and needles waiting to say, is it okay to do this? And the head of operations, Jesse Griffith goes, you know, I'd rather you're the managing partner. What do you need to do to take care of your people? Versus yeah. the company say, hey, we've got this 50 cent deal or $1 deal, or they get an extra free meal or whatever it might be. It's like, what do you feel like you need to do in your restaurant? Yeah. So there's, there's so going back to, to that be, ownership. Correct. Back to the ownership mentality. So, so unwinding some of the, some of the past of always try, trying to say, what is the company going to do? It's like, what are yeah. you going to do in your restaurant? Because we can't run 500 restaurants sitting in an office in yeah. Inglewood, Colorado. That's not possible, right? The operators need to tell us what needs to happen in those restaurants. And that's, totally. and that's the shift that's taking place as we speak. And it's going to be exciting to watch over the next two or three years. And I said it before, I think Megan is going to come in and, and just do a phenomenal job. Um, she's, you know, you know, Villanova masters and all those kind of things that I don't have from LSU. So she's going to, she's going to be a lot better and smarter, <laughs> a lot better and smarter than the Louisiana boy. So, so it, uh, I think it's, it's, it's going to be a great time to, to watch red rod, Robin, red Robin rise for sure. And you know, you, and, and again, it's a question of like putting the reps in, so to speak, you know what I mean? Like improving that swing. Like you made, you made a pra um, practice makes perfect reference. And I was going to stop you and say, didn't Vince Lombardi say that practice does not make perfect? He says perfect practice makes perfect. perfect. You know? Exactly right. No <laughs> doubt. Right. You have to do it correctly. You got to do it correctly. Because let me tell you, my swing needs a lot of perfect practice to get better. Um, but it's interesting in the sense that, like, like, I think a lot about that, even, like, say, with my own team as well. It's like the responsibility and the expectation of the responsibility is something that I try to, like, teach, hone, kind of train effectively because it's like you know like i'm very much a subscriber to this legos theory you know which is like comfortability adaptability and flexibility in the job because ultimately like you know you can be asked to do anything and there's so many problems that you are challenges that you can be faced with that were i to look at just my job spec i would you know you just just wouldn't do them you know and like, how do you like Correct. engender that type of entrepreneurialism within people and so i do think a lot about like how do you give responsibility and it's very much just like 
relaying that message, you know, that like you're an owner, like this is like an expectation. And it's very cool to hear that, which is like people in these leadership meetings, like asking like, what should we do? And then you guys saying, well, you guys are on the ground. Like what do you think you should do? You know, like and turning that on them because it's like their success is your success and their success gets them a piece of that pie, you know, which is kind of a phenomenal sort of like culture change that like, you know, it's amazing that they're already coming around to that. And to your point, like how this is going to look in the next 6, 12, 18, 24 months probably has you filled with unbelievable excitement, especially as you kind of move out, transition out of your role and you're able to see it from the outside and hear that this is going to be a success. I mean, it sounds like you've kind of really implemented quite a program here because again, it's like this economic shock therapy that you have applied so much in one go and it's like, right. go to work. Yeah. I mean, I'm very excited even like hearing more about it, you know? No, I mean, I, you know, I think in, in the people department, you know, um, as we kind of get close, probably to wrapping this thing up would be my guess. You know, one of the things that I, I tried <laughs> to read forever. Yeah, we could. That's, 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 that's very easy. So um, one of the things that, you know, I tried to reinforce with them was like, you know, I'd rather you make a decision with your, 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 your mind and your heart trying to do the right thing than not do anything at all. Yeah. Right? We can fix we can fix stuff like this is not this is not brain surgery this is not open heart surgery this is this is burgers and bottomless fries bottomless fun and brews right cold beer that that's that's what we're talking about here we're not talking about rocket science here right there's not talking about you know elon musk launching you know a, a rocket this is we can fix whatever we need to fix so i'd rather yes. someone make a decision for what they believe are the right reasons than not make a decision and wait for somebody to tell them what to do. And, yeah. and that's how you learn and that's how you grow and it's okay. Mistakes are going to happen. And so I think, you know, you know, creating that culture and GJ is great about that, you know, creating that culture where, Hey, look, let's, let's get this flywheel going. Let's make some decisions. Let's make, let's take some action. And you know what, if we need to tweak or redo something, that's okay. We'll figure it out. Yeah. We'll fix that. So I think really creating that men that mentality has been a big part of what I've been trying to do uh, in the organization. And, you know, always try to, you know, I, I guess never take yourself too seriously, right? Always, always try to have a little fun with things and, um, and not take yourself too seriously, regardless of what your role is. And, you know, I think, you know, GJ does that extremely, extremely well. Yeah. You know, when he walks into a room, you know, everybody's like, oh, that's a CEO, but to, to him, it's really, I'm just, I'm just GJ. I'm just this guy, yeah. right? It's just here as well. So, so I think really creating that, that where people feel free to speak up, speak their mind, get the operator's opinions, get the, the, the restaurant support centers, people's opinions. So we can make sure that we're all working together again, creating that synergy to create that operations focused company that can really elevate what we're doing from a food and a guest and a sales and profits. You know, once you, once you do the, get the food fixed, what, which, which we've done a lot of this year, and then obviously continue to, to staff as we can to elevate the guest experience and provide that great hospitality, right? You do those things, sales will come. They will come, you know, it's like the, the field of dreams, you build it and they will come. <laughs> if you do those things, over time and the perfect practice makes perfect right and you continue to execute <laughs> continue to execute 
and the restaurants and, and take care of your people and create a great culture for your people to have fun in, fun, loving culture, which is, again, a, another big part of what who, who Red Robin has always been. Get yeah. those things back. Then Red Robin and then long term, they're going to be back. They're going to be back where they should be. Well, I can think of no better way to finish because I'm actually inspired with all that information. <laughs> there, maybe I should set up my own, like, get it down. It's awesome. Uh, Mark, it's been an absolute pleasure getting you on here. Appreciate I it, enjoyed every second of this.